How do you raise teens to be competent and capable adults? Is it more about what you don't do than what you do? One mom and blogger shares her approach today. I'm Andy Bates. You're listening to Faith and Family. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, their great support of Faith and Family. Find out more about them at kfuo.org. Find Concordia University, Wisconsin in the sponsor section. Joining me by phone today, Amy Carney, and she's the the blogger at amycarney.com, a proud mom and wife, and uh, has some great insights for us today on raising capable, competent teens uh, to be capable, competent adults. Amy, welcome to Faith and Family. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you as our guest today. Tell us a little bit about your family. You have a unique story. <laughs> um, well, I am uh, been married to my husband tw- nearly near 20 years now. He's an uh, ex-NHL hockey player, so he's a retired hockey player. And we have five children. Our firstborn are um, almost 16-year-old triplet sons. And then we have a daughter who's just one year behind them at 14. And then we just adopted a 10-year-old little guy last year. And what a beautiful family, too. I have enjoyed seeing the pictures on uh, on your website, on your blog, amycarney.com. And there was a kind of a significant point, I think, in uh, that I read about in your, your husband's career uh, where things just changed in, in, in terms of for the sake of family. Yes. Um, in 2013, um, we just found ourselves absolutely disconnected. My husband was coaching with the Chicago Blackhawks, and I was home with the four kids doing and doing foster care as well, so had additional kids in the home, and I was just constantly alone and running the kids all around, and at one point we just said, what, what are we doing? This is not what we envisioned family to be like, and um, Keith boldly and bravely quit his job with the Blackhawks, and we pulled the kids all out of school, and we bought an RV, and we took six months off to regroup around the United States. Hmm. You know, there's back in the what the '90s, there was a TV series with a similar story. I don't oh, know yeah. if you ever saw that Promised Land. I think it was. Oh, this mom and dad uh, they 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 load up the RV, they travel around the country with the kids, and uh, learn a lot along the way, and certainly uh, strong relationships that are and, and bonds that are built in the family. But what an interesting story, and that's I think what what intrigued me about your story. And then I learned so much more as I was reading more on your blog, and uh, that was what led to this this topic on uh, raising competent and capable teens. Um, and preparing them for adulthood. Yes. What, what, first of all, what got you interested in blogging and that, that, that led up to topics like this? Um, well, I, I've been a writer all my life. I used to be a journalist in uh, Indianapolis, and then I kind of stopped that, and I started modeling, and then I started having my kids. And when we decided to do this RV trip, it was kind of the perfect time to start a blog and, and uh, get myself back into writing. So um, the blog was kind of everybody informed on our trip and why we were doing it and what we were doing and it's evolved now into a uh, popular parenting blog what is it that that you've learned along the way uh, especially in your vocation as parent that parents sometimes do for teens perhaps on a regular basis that actually hinders their progression to this competence and independence uh, you know, to being capable adults well i think today we um focus so much on success for our kids that we kind of run behind them and try and facilitate that success for them and without even really realizing it. And um, 
I just think there's a lot of things we take away from our kids that we could be giving, that we need to be giving back to them so that they can learn to be empowered through their own independence. There is so much that, that we want our, our children to be successful. We, and, and if you, you look at research or polls of, of Americans today, American parents and what they want for their children, quite often it's, uh, we want them to be happy. And <laughs> there's yeah, so much more right. than just being happy. Yes, absolutely. I think we do. We, that becomes our goal sometimes to keep our kids happy. And we get lost in that and get caught up in that. And then they become 18 and we launch them into the real world and they don't know how to handle themselves because we haven't taught them through, through all the years that we had them in our home. Well, and if, if we launch or there's failure to launch uh, yeah, <laughs> to, right. to get them into the world and the goal is simply for them to be happy. <laughs> well, good luck to that, right? Yeah. You know, going out and facing the, the world on their own, uh, we, we can't. We can't clear the path for them. We can't be, you know, sweeping things out of the way for them to make sure that they have a a, a smooth journey and that everything is all happy along the way. We can't control the environment around them uh, to make sure that they're happy, uh, not as children, much less as, as, as adults when we send them out into the world on their own. Right. Yeah, I like to say, are you preparing your child for the path or your uh, the path for your child? Which one, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, we must, you know, prepare our child for the path because the path is going to change. To right, that we don't know what lies on that path ahead right. too, and we can't always be shaping the path, preparing the path, clearing the path for them. Rather, preparing them to be competent, capable, resilient when they face failure. Exactly. So, what are some of the things that we are? that we typically do as parents that are really more about <laughs> shaping the path than, than shaping the, the kid? Well, I just think we start our day um, serving, constantly serving them. I mean, from the time we get up, we're, we're going in and waking them, and then we're making their breakfast, and then we're packing their lunch, and then we're packing their backpack, and you know, we're making sure everything is perfect for them um, to head off to school, and then we wonder why they can't function as well at school because we're we're doing everything for them so we can't expect to do everything for them at home and then get to school or to their job or wherever they may go and then be able to take care of it themselves because we've been doing that for them so it's impossible for them to know how to then turn that turn that and start doing it on their own all of those things, though, are done out of good intentions and, and, and expressions of love, you know, packing a lunch with maybe with a, a note in it or, or just making yes. sure that they have a good nutritious lunch and that they're yes. not going undernourished. All those yes. things are done out of love. When, I agree. When do, you, when do you start and when and how do you start making that turn toward independence? What are some of the things that you do um, maybe at an early age to help them uh, on that path to independence. Yeah, definitely. I was definitely the one, the mom packing the lunch with the <laughs> notes. And I still will sometimes write notes on their lunch bag, and they're like, oh, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was absolutely that. And then there just becomes this kind of shift where they be like, mom, I don't want, I don't like what you're packing. I don't want this. I don't want that. You know, and it's like, okay, well, then you start, you know, packing what you feel is good for you. And it was sort of a natural um, transition for me, it wasn't just something um, that I decided all of a sudden I'm not going to start, you know, I'm going to stop making lunches. But I saw they 
that it was kind of a natural time to do that. And I would say um, probably sixth grade or so, they kind of started deciding what they wanted to eat on their own. Um, so, like I said, I mean, I will still get up and make certain things for them once in a while, but the standard is that they know they're going to get up and make their breakfast and they're going to pack their lunch because they know what they want to eat. How do you how do you go about ensuring that they're getting the nutrition that they need? Well, I know what food I buy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I know what I have in my home, and, um, you know, so then I give them, I have good choices for them. Um, but are they going to make the best choices every day? Absolutely not. They're, you know, they're teenagers. So, um, but I just am very mindful of what I'm buying and what I'm, I'm putting there for them to choose from. So if you're not buying junk food and, and keeping junk food in the, the pantry, then... The, right. or the fridge, then right. uh, then they, they have healthy options from which to choose. They're yes. learning to make decisions, too. Right. Well, that's the thing. Right. They've got to learn how to decide what they like and what, you know, what is good for them. And it's a, it's, it's a good time to start doing that. And the consequences, too. Right. <laughs> right. Yes, because I've had plenty of times that they've forgotten to pack their lunch, and then, you know, I'm getting the text, Mom, I'm starving. Sorry. I mean... <laughs> They're, you know, and they do have school lunch. They can, they can buy if they don't like what I have in the house for them to pack. Well, let's talk about that. That that uh, message of that, whether it's a text message, a phone call, or or whatever it might be, mom, th- these pleas for yeah. uh, for help in the midst of their crisis. I forgot my lunch. I forgot my homework. I forgot my gym clothes or you know my uniform for the game this afternoon. Yes. How do you respond to those uh, those text messages or whatever they might be? I don't know how your family communicates. I'm, many families families communicate via text message today. I'm sure. Well, they do because these cell phones are, are kind of the death of problem solving for our kids because it's this immediate. You know, they've got this in their pocket, and we have a cell phone contract for our kids that we created before we get, we um, let them buy their phones, but. Um, and one of the things stated in there is you are not to, you know, harass mom and dad throughout the day, throughout the school day for things you forgot. But every one of them does it. Every one of them, because you know how it is as an adult. You, you head off and you forget something and you panic. You have that panic feeling, you know, oh, no. I, but so now they, the kids, you know, they forget something and they panic and they text mom. Um, and then the pro- here's the issue right here is how do we respond to that, you know, to that text? Because... I do think there are times to bail them out, and I do think most of the time it's best to let them feel the pain of their mistake because everybody makes mistakes, mm-hmm. and they will get through the day without the lunch. They will get through the day without, you know, the homework they forgot. Or I, It's just really important to me that my kids feel that panic and know that they're going to be, you know, they can make it through that and they can um, be okay and come out in the end. Can you, can you take us through a, a sample of that dialogue, that text message dialogue? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so my one son, he plays high school baseball and his, the coach um, requires them to bring their grades in every Monday. So I don't remind him on Sunday to print the grades. You know, it's hard for me to not, but, um, and so every once in a while I'll get a text on, you know, Monday, oh, I forgot to print my grades. Can you print them and bring them to me? It's like, no, you know, that's, that's your, your responsibility. And then he, he goes and prints them in the library at school because they can do that. But their first instinct is just help mom, help. (laughs) And then when you say, no, you, it's okay. You got this. They figure it out. Um, you know, they, they figured out either they don't have them and they have to feel the pain of going to the coach and saying, I forgot, or they 
figure out a solution on their own without you stepping in and getting involved. And what are, what do you what has he learned from those consequences? Well, I think he learns to problem solve on his own without mom doing the problem solving. And and he learns how to have a conversation face to face with his coach and and accept failure, accept that I made a mistake and the, and and see that there's no huge consequence to it or maybe there is, but these kids need to know that there are consequences to actions, good or bad. And I think we take a lot of that away. If I run the, the you know, printed grades off to him, he never has to feel any of that. He never has to learn. He just learns that mom is going to come in and help out. And that's not going to be the case when he's off to college or off to a job and, you know, in the future. So I need him to feel that now and know, know how that works. When are the times that you would bail him out, that you, that you would... Uh, come to the rescue. Right. Well, I've written about this on my on, on my blog, and there um, there was another time one of my sons who, who rarely forgets anything, rarely um, asks for anything. He forgot his um, charger, I think, for his phone or his his computer, and he was off to a um, speech and debate tournament right from school, and he needed that to to compete. So I, I rearranged my afternoon so that I could actually take that charger over to him because it was important. It wasn't something that, you know, he just needed It was or wanted. It was something that he actually needed to compete. So I'm happy to do that for him. And that also is what builds our relationship is because, I mean, relationships are give and take. And so sometimes we, you know, we do have to sacrifice and give um, to our kids to help them out. And that's um, it's just as important as when we say no. And what do you think he learned in that situation? I think he learned that he can count on mom, too. He can, um, you know, that I'm there for him. And I also, you know, brought snacks for the team that he didn't <laughs> expect, you know. So it's just, a, it's just a loving thing to do sometimes and to have grace because we all make mistakes and we all need and deserve grace. Um, but it's just, if we're con- I think it's being mindful of, um, I've kind of wrote the six quick filters that you can, you know, run, run a, um, a this through, and I just say, you know, can you deliver the forgotten item? Is the item a want or a need? And then what is the state of our relationship? Could showing, you know, our child grace do us some good? And then a big one, I think, is this a habit that your child is in or an ex- expectation your child has of, has of you? Um, because if they, that is the case, then I would have to say it's no. If it's something that's happening all the time or they expect you to do it, that's a red flag. Um, and then it says, is it a good teaching opportunity? And then should I still deliver it? Because sometimes I think, well, if we're around and we're able, then we just do it. But you really need to think through if you should be doing it. In that situation, do you think your son saw or acknowledged that uh, that you had to rearrange your afternoon or that it was a, a sacrifice in some way for you? Um, <laughs> possibly, possibly. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's going to write as a 15-year-old concerned about that, but I think he... He does, and I think that there's a respect in our house and, and between, um, you know, parent and child that we we know most of the time he knows that would be a no. I mean, if he just texted me for something random, it would be a no. So he knows that it's um, special and sacrificial that I'm actually coming to do that. And he knows I work during the day, so it's not, you know, I'm not just sitting around waiting to respond to their text. So <laughs> I do think that he, you know, I know he felt loved and respected that I that I did come to the rescue for him so the the pl- 
please for I for you know to to help me out, rescue me out of my my crisis. That you have developed this criteria for you that that helps you determine when is it a good time to to bail them out, when is it not? Is it is it something that they're is it a habit? Is it something they're repeatedly doing? Um, is it uh, is this an opportunity to to demonstrate grace and uh, and mercy? Um, what were some of your other criteria for that? Well, I just say too, is it is it a is this a good teaching opportunity? Is this a time where we can allow them to fail and and to you know feel how that works, feel how that works, and what <coughs> excuse me, what that looks like? Are the how do you respond when other parents hear of you know or learn of how you? how you approach these that you know this crisis of you know the, the please via text message or other things like oh you don't make your children's lunches what kind of mom are you <laughs> <laughs> how do you respond to that uh that's funny well um the good thing is i'm a mom that was able to ad- adopt a child last year a fifth child because i have space in my life um and i have independent kids who help out and so um, I really realized that last year that all these things that I'm teaching my kids to do on their own allows space for our entire family to do more um, for others. And so when I had the, my piece, Stop Doing These Eight Things for Your Teen this school year, go viral, I think in October, and it's still viral, um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of flack about, um, oh, you're a terrible mother, a very unloving mother. And um, But then I've had on the other side 90% of the people say yes. This is what I want to be doing. This is thank you. I mean, I want, I want to raise my kids in this way too. Um, and then it's funny because I, my kids now, um, they come home from high school and they talk about, oh my gosh, you can tell the kids who have helicopter parents because, you know, they can't do anything. And so it's funny because my kids are proud of who they are and what they can do, and they're starting to see in peers the ones that can't can't um, you know fend for themselves already. The, you mentioned your your blog post of the eight things uh, that that you do for your teen or that you you should stop doing for your teen. Um, the one of them that that really caught my attention was paperwork, all the forms for school. Uh, what, at what point did you decide this is not something that we're going to be do, we're not going to be doing every form every every piece right. of paper for school? At what point uh, did you decide that? I think as they were eighth grade or so, you know, um, t- turning teens, 13, 14, okay, you know, and, oh, it makes me so happy, too, to hand those forms and not have to fill all, all those out, but um, so they, you know, they fill them out to the best of their ability, and then I kind of help them through the rest, but um, that is not something they want to be doing either, so, you know, it's important <laughs> that we make them do those things, because it, who wants to do paperwork, but when I took them for their uh, driver's permit at the DMV, it was awesome because they just took their clipboards with their paperwork, started filling it all out, and it wasn't even a question that that's, you know, what they were supposed to do. They just knew how to do it and, and got down to business. And I'll have them do their, you know, medical forms and because they're going to have to fill out college applications. I, I'm not going to be the one to do that. So we've got to start teaching them in small ways how to start start doing that. I have firsthand experience witnessing students yeah. I worked in higher education for uh, about five years in enrollment management and witnessed that uh, both sides of that students who could um, who who could competently fill out an enrollment application uh, 
uh, or an application for admission and enroll in classes and go through the entire enrollment process independently. Yeah. And students who either chose not to or were incapable right. of, of doing that process. It was, in many cases, it was sad yeah. how many students couldn't go through that process that was designed for them to yeah. enroll in in college to these are adults right it was so so starting with this around eighth grade what a a great idea teaching them to uh to to handle these processes with your support but for them to take ownership of it yes so that as you said the 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 reward was when you went to the dmv and they had to fill out the forms they did that independently Exactly, exactly. And like you said, and, and I'm there for support if there's something they don't understand or something they need to ask. Um, but even still, when I'm right there next to them, they'll still turn to me and, Mom, do, what do I say to this? And I'm like, you, you've got this. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can do this. Um, and so, yeah, I just think we need to, in little ways, um, you think about that, filling out that job application, that college application, and that's got to be their, their job. That's gotta, they've got to be able to handle that, and we've got to start teaching them how to do that when they're younger it was it, it was impressive when i when i witnessed the students who who did that independently uh sometimes a parent would be kind of off in the distance lingering to, yeah. to <laughs> observing to see if everything went well yeah. um, and, and and available as a resource and some students just came in independently on their own and uh no parents as well uh, with them and and quite often those who who did that and were articulate in the process the students who were uh capable and articulate in the process uh those were the ones that i asked to be my student workers right <laughs> Those right. were the ones that 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 uh, got the opportunities to work on campus because I could see that you know he could give them assignment. They would be they could handle it independently. They'd come to you if they needed help, but you could give them a, a job to do and they would do it. Yes, yes, and and it's funny. Like on uh, my my sons were their freshman year. They meet with the you know the meet with the guidance counselor before school starts, and everyone's in the library, and so I. I just drop mine off. And so they're like, you're, you're not staying? You're not? <laughs> no, you, you're fine. You talk, it's your guidance counselor. You talk to them. And then they, they did. They went and sat with the guidance counselor, and, and she was like, well, where's, where's your mom? Um, and they, oh, she probably went to have a coffee or something. But, <laughs> she, but then later she told me, okay, that, that's impressive. Like, normally I'm talking with the parent while the child sits there. Um, and so I think if we all are just a little more mindful um, you know, we feel like I do want to be there. I do want to know what's going on. I do want to be involved. But at some point, I, they've got to learn to do that on their own. And I know my kids, and I know they would love for me to sit there and handle their lives. <laughs> I mean, they would. But I've got to remove myself even as much as I want to be there um, so that they can learn how, how this works and they can learn how to strengthen themselves. So how far are we from college applications I know. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. They're going to be sophomores, so I think you've got some time. What do we have another another year or two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it sounds like they're on the right track. My guest today, Amy Carney of amycarney.com. Uh, check out her article or her post, uh, the eight things that uh, that you should stop doing for your teen this school year as you prepare for this this coming school year. Amy, thanks so much for being my guest on Faith and Family today. A pleasure to talk with you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Coming up in just a little bit. Is decluttering just about cleaning, or is there more to it? 
Stick around. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu.